You are listening to Your Blessed Life Podcast, episode number 21. Life with a capital L has everything to do with me engaging with, you know, purpose and significance and, and meaning. And therefore, it gives me insight into what, what is the, the, the larger story. Let the stories and teachings of today's top Christian leaders inspire and move you to releasing God's best for your life. With your host, best-selling author and certified Christian life coach, Jay Marsh. Welcome to Your Blessed Life. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. I want to invite you, if you're not already part of Blessed Nation, to well to be part of it. Just stop by yourblesslife.com. That's yourblesslife.com and join us. And what you're joining is just for regular insights and teachings and even resources that that'll bless your life. So stop by Blessed Nation today and and join us. We'd love to have you on board. Jay Marsh here, and it's it's great to be here with you. And I want to welcome you to your blessed life. So let's get in right right into the show. Our featured guest today is a name that might sound familiar to you. He's a friend of the show. He's been on the show before, and I enjoy him so much that I asked him to come back again, Matt Hurd. Matt, welcome back to Your Blessed Life. Jay, it's great to be back. Thanks. Betcha. You know, I knew and as soon as you agreed to be on the show the first time, I knew that I wanted to have a second encounter with you. I just didn't know if I'd get to. And the reason being is I love sharing with Blessed Nation these stories of different folks and getting to know them. But with you, I all I had already known you from the outside in because of your book, Life with a Capital L. And I wanted to share that experience with Blessed Nation. So that's what this show is going to be about. If that's all right with you, I'd like to you know, kind of reintroduce you to Blessed Nation. And then I'd like to talk about a couple of points in the book that just really resonated with me. Would that be okay with you? Sure, totally. Okay. Well, Blessed Nation, if you haven't had a chance to hear Matt's previous interview, I want to encourage you to do that. And if you haven't, let me refresh you a little bit about Matt. So Matt's originally from Monroeville, Alabama. And right now he kind of like has this dual citizenship going on. So he lives a little bit in Colorado, lives a little bit in Orlando, and Matt and his wife, Arlene, they've got three grown sons, Andrew, Joel, and Stephen. And I remember Matt talking in the in the first show that uh, you and Arlene are kind of going through this empty nest syndrome. And, <laughs> and I know that's a, a challenge. So how, how, how's that working out for you? It's, it's working out great on most days. It's really fun to see where our boys are. And the, you know, Andrew, the oldest is a graduate from the Air Force Academy, is up in Fairbanks, Alaska, stationed up there. He's a flight services commander at Allison Air Force Base. And Joel's a senior at Colorado State University, and Stephen is a sophomore at Whitworth University in Spokane, Washington. So it's really fun to see them journeying. And I'm grateful for technology because yeah. you know, when I left the house, my parents didn't have that. So I can only imagine what they went through. So that's good. And Arlene and I are 
really trying to take advantage of the count of the counsel that some people gave us. I think I mentioned it on the last show of, hey, you can now be spontaneous for the first time in 25 years. So it uh, being able to travel some back and forth is a real treat. You know, speaking of being spontaneous, I remember this specifically in your book where you told a story. Remember the Billy Joe story? Yeah. 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 Actually, not in my book. I, I was oh, speaking in your book. It wasn't in my book. But if, if I if that had happened before I wrote the book, I probably would have put it in the book. But See, uh, <laughs> I just follow you so much. Matt. I, I heard you on a podcast and I told that story. But I, you know, whether it's on your Facebook page or in your book or on your podcast, you know, I'm just like, give me some more, Matt. Sure. Sure. Yeah, it it was last year. I was uh, headed up to New York, actually from Orlando, and I was just dead tired, checked into a hotel at four in the afternoon. And they were doing a celebration of the anniversary of their hotel. And I won't go into all the details, but bottom line, this guy on camera interviewed me right in the middle of my registration process, kind of surprised me and and asked me the trivia uh, trivia question about Billy Joel and his nickname. And I said, piano man. When I did, bells rang confetti, truly confetti <laughs> fell from the ceiling. And I wanted, I'd won two tickets to the next night's performance of, of Billy Joel and Madison Square Garden. And so going back to the empty nest thing, because of the spontaneity, I thought, right. you know what, I'm going to get, uh, I went online and got a free ticket with some miles and flew Arlene out the next day. And she and That's I fun. went to the concert, had a blast. But the reason is she loves Billy Joel and always has and discipled our boys in Billy Joelness. And so he did a song that I've heard, I bet a I bet I've heard a hundred times, Jay, and called River of Dreams. But I, I, I don't think I'd ever paid attention to the lyrics, which is just, I think I've sung along with the song. But I, you know, it's, it's amazing how we can sing along and not pay attention to what we're singing. Yeah. But so in the middle of the concert, and I'm sitting here trying to look it up right now as well, looked up on my, my iPhone, just, did he just say that? And so I looked up the lyrics and, you know, it's got this, you can't hear that song without, you know, you, you got to move a little bit. I mean, it's just a lilt. And that, the the tune I think betrays the depth of the of the substance of him where he talks about in the middle of the night, I go walk into my sleep from the mountains of faith to a river so deep. I must be looking for something, something sacred I lost, but the river's wide and it's too hard to cross. And he says, even though I know the river's wide, I still walk down every evening and I stand on the shore, try to cross to the opposite side so I can finally find out what I've been looking for. And he, he, reiterates that several times and I thought you got to be kidding me that is that is so strong and it's so accurate now Billy Joel would never you know he says at best he's an agnostic but in fact later in that same song he says God knows I'm not a spiritual man but what he's dealing with he's articulating something that great art great art helps us articulate stuff we can't articulate for ourselves you know it it taps something we see a great movie or read a really good book and it all of a sudden we go somewhere where we weren't before and it's that notion of longing and so the reason I I said, boy, if, if I hadn't written, finished the book, I would have put that in there because it goes so well and supports so strongly with a couple of chapters in the introduction in the first five chapters, really, of the book is the, as I, I call kind of the, 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 the first part, the introduction, where I talk about longings. And we don't pay enough attention to our longings. And that Ecclesiastes 3 
verse 11 says, you know, God has placed eternity in every human heart. And so we've all got this, you know, what C.S. Lewis referred to in a poem and not often repeated poem, not very well known, called Vowels and Sirens, where he says, we're all born. It's this music that we were born remembering. We've got it in the back and we're we're constantly looking for where is where's home? Remember that that story? I, I used to read it to my boys. Are you my mother? You know that I, I don't remember which, but it's this little bird that gets dropped out of the nest and yes, starts I going everywhere, saying, that. "Hey, are you my mother?" Talks yes, to the. I have read that to my boys. Yeah, to the so, tractor and, and it try. That's us. We're always trying to figure out where do I belong? Where is home? Why am I here? And you know, Lewis talked about that German word uh, deep longing, but that, and it's not, it's not the longing for to be a pro basketball player or have a big bank account or a longing to take a vacation to an exotic place. Those aren't longings. Uh, those are, those are pursuits. Uh, there's a difference between our pursuits and longings. We, we pursue things that we think will fulfill those deep longings of stuff yeah. like you know, significance or wholeness or intimacy and love and purpose and shalom and goodness, truth and beauty and resolution and triumph and justice, etc. So when I heard Billy Joel singing that, I thought, I mean, that is we wake up in the middle of the night and we're 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 yearning for those things. And it's, it, you know, it's Ecclesiastes three that is just personified in that song that God's placed eternity in our hearts, but we can't fathom what it means from beginning to end. And it's kind of like we've got this eternal longing that we're trying to satisfy with right. with, with temporal pursuits instead yeah. of the pursuit uh, of God. Oh man, you hit that so well on the head. And I tell you, it was just a beautiful segue. God works like that. How we could get Billy Joel to get us to the place of longings and yearnings. So, <laughs> that was amazing. So praise God for that little connection there. But I want to I want to talk a little bit more about this this topic of longings and yearnings and the point that you just made. And that is we have this internal craving, this internal magnet that is looking for this one thing that can fulfill this space within us and we look around in the world for the fulfillment of that. And we can't find it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, when you when you said that, I thought of something else. I probably would have put in the book, but it happened during the book, and it just didn't didn't make the editing process. But I was when I was writing it, I went up into a cabin in the mountains to write, and on my laptop, and the battery's dying, you know. And I take the to get the cord out to to recharge it, and I know. Jay, this is going to be really technical for you, but because you don't have an engineering background, an electrical engineering background, I don't know if you'll be able to follow, but I'll let's see. It, it, you know what a three thingy plug is? Oh yeah, yeah. that is the technical <laughs> word for it. I right? tell you what, it's it's what all the electrical engineers use. It's a term. Well, that was the plug that I had, but it was an old cabin, and it only had two thingy outlets. You know, oh. the there was no ground. There's mm -hmm. no third. I didn't have an adapter. I'm out in the middle of nowhere. There's no Home Depot. And I started walking around this cabin, kind of panicking, thinking, I'm going to waste my time up here if, I, if, the, if my laptop dies and right. I can't write. Finally, I found the three thingy plug behind the refrigerator. <laughs> so I was, I was set. But I, you know, as I've reflected on that, I've thought that it, when it's just what you, you said, there's that, that craving. We've got 
we're born equipped with a three a, a three thingy plug, an eternal plug, so to speak, and it's eternity in our hearts. Yes, we're fallen, and as a result, we're confused about what this eternity in our heart means, and we constantly are, are going through our journeys trying to force that eternal plug into temporal outlets, and you know some of which. Are, are good, like whether it's career or marriage or hobbies, those are good until we try to get from them the eternal stuff that only God can can provide for us. And then we also try to force that eternal plug into the overtly sinful stuff right from the get-go. But either way, the sinful stuff or the good stuff that have been hijacked, they all become idols where we're trying to to quench our soul's thirst with something that is not capable of addressing the depth of, of what we're really thirsty for. Well, so that, that beckons the question then, as it relates to, to longings or to this one longing that we're trying to put our finger on, this yearning, this craving, how do we get more in tune to what that is? You know, I think it's a little scary of an exercise, but I think it's worthwhile is just taking, taking some time of saying, what are the different pursuits? The, there, some are hobbies, some are work-related, uh, relationally, but also throw in there besetting sins or just kind of an, an overall list. What are the different things that I'm doing? So that's the what column. Right. And then a column next to it is the why, meaning what's the longing that I'm trying to fulfill or address in the midst of that pursuit? Let's say, okay, so we've got a goal for having X amount of dollars in our retirement account. That's a pursuit. What's the longing I'm trying to fulfill in that? Mm-hmm. Is it security? Well, if it's security with a big S, I don't care how much money's in my retirement account. That longing is not going to be met. Sure, we can be prudent for security with a little S or a good job. But, you know, if slander would be, you know, a pursuit that's very sinful. But why is it? Why do we do that? Is it because we have a longing for significance? And if I can make another person appear to be worse, then I'll feel better about my own significance. It's it's kind of looking and saying ultimately and continuing to dig down because if I remain superficial regarding this issue of longings, which I think a lot of believers do, I'll remain superficial in my engagement with the gospel. So worded differently, a superficial engagement with my longings will lead me to a superficial engagement with the gospel. But the flip side of that is true, that if I will go deeper with my longings and then realize that the gospel is the good news where those longings are addressed, it's kind of what yeah. was happening with that with the woman at the well. She was going after marriage and men and five husbands, living with a guy, and Jesus says, what you're thirsty for, you're not going to find anywhere else but with me. And it doesn't mean that we don't do any of those other pursuits, except for the sinful ones. Obviously, we turn our backs on those, and it's a continual repentance uh, posture. But even the good stuff, whether it's career or hobbies or marriage, I think all of a sudden we can start enjoying them more because we're not trying to extract from them what only uh, Jesus can give, which I say is you know life with a capital L. It's what he promises that woman. And it's what he promises us. He says, I came to bring the dead alive. And in our deadness is why, you know, we're, we have the eternity in our hearts, but we, our humanity is muted. We can't figure out 
what are we here for? And what's the great why? And so I think it's going deeper with our longings enables us to go deeper with the gospel. Yeah, it does. It, I love when you step out of the question and you ask yourself the why and the what, and then you follow up with, with the gospel to truly satisfy that longing. Mm, I love that. Well, Blessed Nation, I think you're, you're seeing a little theme develop here, and I want to share that with you so it's clear. So what Matt and I are doing today is, you know Matt's story. If you haven't listened to it yet, you can go into the show archives and, and listen to it, and it'll get you really up close and personal with, with some of Matt's story with faith, hope, and promise. Today, we're just talking about ways that this show can bless your life through the teachings in his book. Life with a capital L is the foundation for you've received Christ in your life. And this is my interpretation, Matt. You've received Christ in your life. You're a card-carrying member. And now it's time to get busy living the life that Christ has called you to live. So, Blessed Nation, what Matt and I are going to do is we're just going to talk on a couple of points that we both feel like will resonate with you, that will help you, that will encourage you, and that will share some insights with you on your journey of your walk in Christ. So the first one we just touched on, and that was the, the subject of longing and the subject of yearnings and, and how to fulfill that place within you that's looking for something. And this next, this next point, this next top is, topic is, Matt, this is probably one of my favorite things that you talk about in the book, because for me, it created such good mental imagery. And so what I want to ask you about next is, that breakdown on glory, you know, in the book, Matt, where, where you talk about the breakdown of glory and, and you, you share that story of how it relates to creation and the fall and the cross and how that glory is that overarching theme of life with a capital L. Can you share a little bit of that story with us? Sure. I mean, it's, is in the chapter on story. And I think the theme of that, that chapter is that the larger story is the glory of God. And it's life with a capital L has everything to do with me engaging with, you know, purpose and, and significance and, 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 and meaning. And therefore it gives me insight into what, what is the, the, the larger story. Psalm 1611 says that you've made known to me the path of life. And it's what, why am I here? You know, right. why am I breathing? Why is my heart beating? And God doesn't determine whether we're alive or not by whether just our hearts are beating and our lungs are breathing, but whether we are alive in him, our humanity has been restored, his spirit has taken up residence. But just because I'm alive doesn't mean, as you just said a minute ago so well, doesn't mean I'm living. And one of the ways that I engage in that, the, the chapter and story is in the second part of the book, where I talk about 10 experiences of life with a capital L, 10 experiences of present tense eternal life. It's, it's almost a, an apologetic for the experience of the gospel. And the chapter on story, I bring up the whole notion of, remember a couple of years ago, in, it was a Super Bowl ad, actually, and it was from Walt Whitman's poem, Oh Me, Oh Life, It's in Leaves of Grass, uh, collection where they quote him in the Apple commercial, and they also also Dead Poet Society many years ago popularized it. Where, but he talks about, you know, what are we here for? 
right. you know, why are, are, are we here? Oh, me, oh, life kind of thing. And then the, at the end of it the, the, is that, you know, we're here and we exist and we have identity. And the last line of that poem is that the powerful play goes on and on and you will contribute a verse. And, and the punchline of the commercial, as well as the movie long ago, was what will your verse be? You can contribute a verse, but what will your verse be? And and and, it, and that's a great question, but it's it's not it's a it's the secondary question, and it's a real it's it's dangerous to make that the primary question. What will your verse be? Because I can only ask that question. What will my verse be? When I understand the larger question, and that is, what is the play? I, I need to first understand what the overall story is before I grapple with what my individual role is and. We've used that phrase, the glory of God, so much within Christian circles. It, it's just, it's this overly spiritualized word and concept that we don't really have any understanding of what, what does it mean, nor how important it is. But once you start really grasping that the larger story really is the glory of God, that, you know, Habakkuk 2 is one of my favorite verses oh, in Scripture. Me too, brother. You know, me too. you know, that the glory of the Lord, verse 14, I think it is, the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And that's our hope. That's what the new heaven and the new earth is. Yeah. And it means that we're in the midst of this big drama in which God's restoring his glory to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That before the fall, everything that existed magnified his beautiful and praiseworthy enoughness is the way I would say it. God's glory is his sufficiency, is his self-sufficiency, his self-existence, his significance, its ultimate. And everything he does is to display that. It's not an ego thing. That's simply who he is. And he created us for his glory. And so when we sin, the big tragedy, here's one example of how the glory of the glory of God is everywhere in scripture, but we've We've almost become jaded. We've got this filter, and we don't pay attention to it. Yeah. And like uh, Romans three twenty three, for all have sinned. And what's the tragedy of our sin is we've fallen short of the glory of God. Right. And a lot of people interpret that as, well, it's falling short of a standard. Yes, that's true. But it's also the tragedy of my sin is I'm not experiencing. I'm not participating. I'm falling short of my ultimate identity and calling, and that's the glory of God. And and so when I start bringing that as the overall overarching purpose of my life, that is the story. Then my individual decisions, whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, Paul tells the Corinthians, I do it for the glory of God. And so looking at, at creation and then the fall and redemption is so important too often what we do is we just focus on a number of guys are talking about this these days, fall and redemption, and we don't talk about creation and restoration. And so we start with the fall instead of starting with, hey, let's look at creation, what once was and what will one day be. And understanding that right now we're in the midst of the progression of this throughout history so that when my alarm rings in the morning and I go to work, I'm doing it for the glory of God. When I'm cheering at a game, I'm doing it to celebrate the sufficiency of God's enoughness. When I'm experiencing a great meal or crying at a funeral, all of it is tying back into how Jesus came to restore 
his sons and daughters to glory, as Hebrews talks about. And all of a sudden, my yearning for significance. Oh, you hit it. You yeah. hit it. I was hoping you'd say it. So it's uh, all of a sudden, my yearning for significance is tied in yeah. having a supporting role and not being the star. Yeah. And a lot of people think, you know, the further you get to, to Hollywood in your worldview, you think my significance is going to come from me having starring role, uh, the starring role and getting everybody else to cooperate with that. And his scripture says, no, your significance, which is real and it's substantive, it comes from you having a supporting role in the presence of the glorious one. And so all of a sudden, I, I begin to realize that there is a plot to my life. You know, Jay, I'll say this and then let you follow up. But I, I just, I, I'm troubled by how many people, to many people, the gospel is just a bunch of individual propositions, true statements. And yes, they are true. Right. Yeah. But, but the power of those propositions comes when you put them in the midst of an overall plot. And that plot is God restoring his glory to creation. And he's calling us to a significant role in that. And boom, all of a sudden, me, the way that I deal with clients is far more, not just about the rep, my reputation or the reputation of this company, but it's, it's for the glory of God, et cetera. So I'd love to hear as you were reading it, and you said that was one of the big points of impact. If uh, you know, I grew up in Southern Alabama, so I can say this. I don't know if I'm scratching where you're itching when it comes to uh, why you like the glory, the, the story chapter on glory, but I'd be curious as to your take on that. Yeah. And you, you ended on why it resonated with me and it's the story of story and it's the role that we have. I like the way you put it. What, what is the plot of your story and, and where does the glory of God fit within that role? And do you recognize that there is a play or there is a movie of your life and you have a part to play and you have to ask yourself, what is the part that you play? Are you the star? Is God in this movie? Does he even have a part in this movie? And if he does, what role does he play? Yeah. Is he the supporting role? Yeah. Is that what I'm expecting of God to have a supporting role in my story? Yes. Oh, that was so well said. And that's what resonated with me because, and this is for me, you know, this isn't me thinking, oh, this is what I can tell everybody. No, this was, this was impacting me while I'm reading it. It's, it's that reminder, that confirmation that I am living out a story that God knows the beginning and the end of. He's the author and he's the finisher of it. He's allowing me to make these decisions as I go. And he wants to be as involved in the story as I'm willing to, to allow him. That, that sounds so pious, but I have to make these decisions along the way to recognize his role in the story. And he's letting me figure that out on, along the way. Sure. And that's, that's what resonates with me when I hear this, the story of glory. And people, a couple of people have asked me that, you know, they hear this, me talking passionately about this issue of glory and saying, all right, so how does that relate with life with a capital L? And to me, there's one sentence that summarizes it. And Irenaeus, the, one of the early church fathers, he said it. He said, the glory of God is man fully alive. Oh. And so when I'm fully alive, <laughs> that means I'm tapped in to the larger story of the glory of God. Man. Man, I, I love that. You know, this is, I think, one of those points that you can sit down with a cup of coffee and have an entire conversation about. Yeah. 
Yeah. It really is. Well, Matt, before we move in to the third point that we're going to discuss today with Bless Nation, I want to just really ask a question to Bless Nation. And it's kind of a pause. It's an opportunity for us to take our breath and catch our breath. And for me, just to simply ask you, so how's it going? How's, how's the show going for you so far? Has it, have you enjoyed it? Has it, uh, has it been a blessing to you so far? If it has, I just want to invite you to subscribe to the show to help support the show in a way that when the next episode comes around, you're there and you're ready for it. You can simply do that by, if you're at your desk or on your cell phone or whatever means you're, you're listening to the show at, just click on that podcast app. And on that app, you're going to see a purple subscribe button at the top of the show page. And if you just click that button, you're set and you're ready for the next episode. That would be a great way for you to support the show. And I thank you in advance for, for looking to do that. So Matt, kind of back to our points, we've got, you know, we've kind of got one more point that I want you to talk about and share with, with a blessed nation here. And this is a point that we actually started talking about in the first show when you came on and it was about this idea of being a pipe versus being a bucket. (laughs) And I, and I never, well, I, I take that back. I had heard the term, but I just hadn't heard it put together quite like that, but it's called, is it plumbing theology? Yeah. So talk to us about that. Well, it's just in the book, it's the, the, the chapter's called love and it's giving life away. And a play on, you know, obviously this life with a capital L. And I think I mentioned in in the first episode, a painting called There's Life Everywhere and Nikolai Yeroshenko and painting it back in 1888, being motivated, inspired by a short story by Leo Tolstoy. But it's in uh, Tolstoy's work. He begins it with 1 John uh, 3.14 that talks about, we know we've passed from death to life because we love each other. And anyone who does not love remains in death. And earlier, you mentioned this, and then I I echoed the general concept was there's a difference between being alive and actually living. So, you know, the book is for somebody who's not yet a follower of Christ to say, okay, what does a relationship with Jesus look like on a day-to-day basis? But it's also for those who are already followers of Jesus who are alive, but we might not be actually living. We're just more existing and waiting to die to get to heaven. And what that verse in 1 John 3.14 is saying is you want to experience life a primary way to experience life has to do with being involved in loving others in authentic relationship. But it's, it's not a deal where we have to come up with the love. It goes back to the, the plumbing theology, which is bottom line, that plumbing theology is saying there's a difference, acknowledging there's a difference between a pipe and a bucket. Pipes, whatever they receive, they give, uh, they, it flows elsewhere. What buckets receive stagnate. And when we receive the love of God, when we receive the gospel of Christ, are we giving that away? Or are we trying to hoard it? And we've been in bucket-type churches where they just hoard it all. The joy is gone. The worship is stale. There's no ministry. And there's just a lot of people spilling their stagnant water into each other's bucket. And they're not pleasant places. But you get into a life-giving, plumbing theology, you know, oriented church of a bunch of pipes. They are experiencing life with a capital L because they're loving each other. But that flows out of them receiving God's love and loving him back. 
And so Jesus couldn't have been more clear when he said, you love as I have, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So he doesn't say, go out there and come up with something to do, figure it out. He says, hey, I've loved you. So just give that away. Let it flow through you as a pipe instead of a bucket. And I don't think there are too many people in churches that would deny that God loves them. But I think there are plenty of people in churches that don't experience that love. And the love of God, Jay, I think is unconditional. Obviously, scriptures say that wholeheartedly. That's the beauty of grace and the sufficiency of Christ's work. But the experience of love, the experience of his love is not unconditional. I, I must engage with it. And a primary way to engage with God's love, to experience it, is to give it away. And yeah. the more I give his love away, the more that I, I love others, the more I experience, it's not the more he loves me. He already loves me as much as he ever will in Christ, right. but the more I experience it. Yeah, that's so good. You know, that reminds me of a, of a, a prayer that I have with my family in the morning. And from the outside looking in, it, it sounds like it, it's starting off a little selfish, but the end of it and the meaning of it is to be that pipe. And I hadn't really ever heard that term, but, you know, I'm asking the Lord to really, to be a blessing to our family in these different areas. And, and then I include to that to overfill us so much with your blessing that it is just running over and it is being a blessing in the lives of the people are around us. And it kind of reminds me of, you know, when you get on an airplane, they tell you to case of an emergency to put that oxygen mask on your face before you put it on your kid's face. Exactly. And it kind of makes me think about that when I'm saying that prayer. And I think about it again, Matt, when I'm, when I, I'm listening to this this uh, plumbing theology and, and, and talking about us being pipes so we can, because we're going to be filled by just automatically as that blessing, as that way of God moves through us as a pipe, we're being saturated with his goodness. And then it just comes bursting out on the other side to bless those that are in the path of it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Psalm 67 says, God be gracious to us and bless us. And make your face shine upon us so that we may essentially so that your ways may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. In other words, God bless us, but not just for us. Bless us for the people around us. Bless us for the nations. And if people are hoarding, meaning they're not giving the love of God away, they stop experiencing God's love. Doesn't mean he stops loving them. But they, they, they stop experiencing it. And it's so sad to see Christian communities or churches that are unloving places. But the surefire sign, you know, that when that's happening, it's a surefire sign that they really haven't grasped the love of God for them. Because when I do, I want to give it away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it puts a cap on the end of the pipe when you do that, doesn't it? Yeah. Turns it, it might look like a pipe from the side, but it's functioning as a bucket. Yeah, that's, that's true. It's just kind of a long, skinny pipe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, that leads me to, to one really last question as it relates to these, these topics, Matt. And so as I look at these three topics, you know, we, we talked about what it means to satisfy longings and, and, and yearnings. And we looked at what it means to understand the glory of God and, and how our role and story, how our own story, how our own place within the story affects what we do and who we are and where God fits into that. And then we talk about being that blessing to others, and allowing the goodness of God to flow through us and the plumbing theology. So with those as kind of our foundation here, 
how how can we start our own journey from this point to live a life with a capital L? I think the 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 very first step is it's it's not complicated. It's just it comes with a realization that when you and I finish this conversation and we move out into the rest of our day, it's moving out with an awareness that eternal life is not just future tense. It's present tense. It's it's not just a synonym for heaven. I think we experience eternal life in heaven in an undiluted way, but eternal life is to be experienced here in the next five minutes and beginning to really engage with what Jesus wants to do in me and through me right now, whether it's, you know, awakening, awakening me to freedom or awakening me to live with heart, engage with beauty, you know, to approach scripture, not just as a manual for Christianity, but as a manual for fulfilled humanity, et cetera. I, you know, I worship on a daily basis. And that's what I tried to do in those last 10 chapters of the book is talk through those. And, but one of them, is dealing with time and realizing that life is to be lived. Uh, this is a deep concept, but it's daily. Life with a capital L is daily, and I think all of us would say, "I want my, oh, I want my overall life to be characterized by life with a capital L." But all my life is, as a whole, is the sum total of a bunch of individual days, and uh, you can't add up a bunch of individual days and come up with a sum that's different from what each day looked like. You know, it's, you, you can't make a, let's say, a, have a bunch of, bunch of bad grapes. You put all bad grapes together. They don't great, make a great wine or great juice. They, right. they just make something that's bad to drink. So a bunch of individual days that aren't living life with a capital L, where I'm not consciously choosing to say, I want to pr- receive and pursue that, that life that you are wanting to lavish on me, then all of a sudden <laughs> I've, I'm just having one other day that is essentially wasted. And so I think me moving into each day very intentionally saying, I want to see and seize and experience the life that's everywhere. And that is what I yearn for. And it's a, uh, it's a powerful, it's very small shift, but it's, it has it powerful ramifications to say, okay, there's life everywhere, meaning there is even life today, and I want to seize it. Yeah, I love that. I have so many thoughts going through my mind that want to support that. I think of just the book of Hebrews in general, but I also think about how something that I have made part of my life over the years, last few years, and it's what you said, it's very simple. But it is a shift. Doesn't mean it's easy and that we do it every day, but the understanding of it is simple. And it goes along with what you were saying, and that is being more intentional and and more plugged in to everything about the day. And that's being present in everything I do. And an example for me, I coach a couple of different teams for my boys, and I can be standing standing on the court or out in the field as I'm coaching, and I have to tell my mind, because I'm in charge of my mind, this isn't the time and the place to be thinking about work or this or that or the other. Be present where I am. Yeah, yeah. And I refer to that in the book is living in the presence tense. 
presence, fully present, mm-hmm. but P-R-E, now I've got to spell it, and I'm t- P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, I think, or, but not present tense only, but presence tense. Yeah. That's exactly what you're saying, where I'm going to be present right now, because what did John Lennon say? Life's what happens when you're making other plans. Yeah. You know, and we're always procrastinating and saying, okay, I'll deal with it today. A huge part of life with a capital L is embracing the gospel to such a degree as say, I'm going to be, live in the present tense right now. This is the only moment I'm assured of. I'm not assured of even five minutes from now, but right now. Amen. Well, Matt, we've come to the end of our time. And it is it just me or does it fly? It flies, doesn't it? It's been great. It's been a delight, Jay. Thank you. I'm, I'm honored uh, and and humbled that you had me on. So it's been it's been a, it's been a kick. So thank you. Well, I've enjoyed it so much, and I want you to share one last thing with our listeners. Pretty much the context of the show, the 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 foundation of the show has been this book because it's been very impactful to me. It's a parallel to your blessed life, and I. I just think it will resonate with those that hear it. So share with us, Matt, what is a good way for our listeners to be able to get more information on this book and and just another way to connect with you? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I mean, probably the, the the easiest to remember is just my, my website, mattherd.org, M-A-T-T-H-E-A-R-D.org. And but there's a book website, life with a capital L dot com, and then on Facebook. I mean, there's a Life with a Capital L book is the name of it page. And going on there and liking it, and depending on my schedule, I sometimes I'm updating it more than others, but I actually and this has been a good reminder that I need to hop back on the horse because I was I was just giving some quotes regularly from the book, going through the book. And I'm going to start back going through that, and, and uh, but people can interact with it. They can contact me through my webpage or even through my Facebook page, Matt Hurd. So. Well, you're speaking of Facebook page, Matt. If you uh, Next time you peruse uh, my Facebook page on Your Blessed Life at, at Facebook, you might see some very familiar teaching points <laughs> <laughs> that, reson- that resonate with your book. And even so, you will even see some text versions of some shout outs to Matt because there are certain things that you say in the book that I will reword and communicate them in my voice. And then there's other things that in your in your book, Matt, that I just copy it on there and I just put dash Matt Hurd. Awesome. Awesome. Because I love it. So anyway, I just had to share that while you were talking about that. Thanks, Jay. Bless Nation, I hope you've enjoyed this show as much as I have today. I want to encourage you to subscribe to the show. We've done that. I want to now subscribe you or or recommend rather that that you give us a review and let us know what you think about the show, especially if you've already subscribed to it. It's easy to do. Just go to the uh, the iTunes store and you'll see the Your Blessed Life cover art. If you'd click on that, you'll see a ratings and review tab. From there, you just write your review. You'll also see a number of stars, one through five, that you can rate the show. Just click on the number that's uh, applicable for you and you're on your way. Bless Nation, I want to thank you so much for spending your time with Matt and myself today. And we look forward to hopefully touching base with you again in the very near future. And until that time comes, I want to remind you that God loves you and he wants to bless you.